0: Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Hurtout Media Network. I'm here. Tell it to me straight up. Hello and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Proudly part of the of R Network. I am Greg Smith. You are Where Did the Weekend Go? Because I try to take things easy on purpose, and the weekend still flew by, a friend. Uh, today, I am joined by a special guest, uh, one half of the Duncan Discourse podcast, Jabari Davis. Jabari, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you, my man? Absolutely. My pleasure. I appreciate you inviting me, Greg. I'm doing well in you. Uh, pretty good, man. Like I said, uh, this weekend went a little fast. I'm like looking up at this window over here, trying to hope this rain goes away because I got some ribeyes marinating that I'm trying to get on <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it actually rains in other parts of the country. Jabari is out um, in lovely California. <laughs> and so, you know, we actually get seasons in other places, you know?
0: No, it's actually even worse. now. I mean, I'm in Arizona now. Oh, yeah. It, it, it rains even less.
1: <laughs> okay yeah yeah oh man i gotta get back to arizona anytime arizona comes up i always have i went out there probably man that's probably been six years ago now actually time where'd it go um we went out to sedona went out to um scottsdale oh, nice. and stuff phoenix and I did that little little triangle of area uh, and it was very nice so i got to get back out there some way it was definitely hot uh it was no joke but <laughs> okay. i enjoyed myself
0: yeah, no, we, we can't even front about that. Like, it's like straight up. It's going to be hot when you come. Doesn't matter when you <laughs> right. come. Right.
1: right. Like, there's no hiding in you know, some place that like, no, we try to hide, but this weather is like, you're like, no, we can't uh-huh. even do it. Yeah. Now you, okay. you might be able to hide up in Sedona, but I'm down in Tucson. There's oh, no, no, hiding. no, no. Yeah, yeah, there's nowhere to hide down there. All right. Now, each week we uh, have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show. The first one is called Coach Speak. where we'll go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then we'll give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant. Coach speak to real talk. This week comes courtesy of the man, the the legend, LeBron James, who had this to say after the team's win over Indiana and his first game back in a while on Saturday. Quote. Let the chips fall where they may," LeBron said after playing for the first time in nearly two weeks after their win. Uh, it's as simple as that. We are ready to go." End quote. So Jabari, what does that mean?
0: I mean, that's about as straightforward as it can be. I look at it like this, and I, I, you know, I make no bones about it. Like I grew up in Southern California. I grew up a Lakers fan in, in the '80s. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to try to hide that. Uh, and that was my attitude all you know all year. Like. All of this is cute. You know, talk to me when you're know, at the end. If they're healthy, we have a conversation. If they're not, none of this is going to matter. And ultimately, uh, if you're a Lakers fan, just gotta feel pretty good here, you know, hearing your leader or hearing one of your leaders, you know, basically break it down as simple as that.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I think that this this whole season has been weird um in that way, where it's been a situation where You already knew, and this was kind of the, it was the worst case scenario, but at the the Lakers, but it was at the same time, it was the expected scenario, right? You, You coming off of that bubble championship in which they obviously played longer than anyone else outside of the heat. You had so much short rest. You have a couple of guys in LeBron James and Anthony Davis leading your team that you really wanted to be able to have the maximum amount of rest possible. They weren't able to do that. So what are you coming to the season fearing? that there's going to be injuries you end up then having those injuries to those guys but not only them it feels like and maybe it's not but it feels like everybody on the team or in the rotation has gone out with an injury at some point during this season um and so it's just been an odd mismatch year where they're now over what the last five games have had everyone out there, or not even everyone out there, I actually have to take that back, because it's really been the last couple of games that everybody has been out there once Schroeder came back off of the safety and health protocol situation. Um, and so it's just been an odd ride through this. And I think that, to me, this is what's happening with the Lakers, and it's not just because be the Lakers guy. It's What's happening with them feels like the big cloud hanging over at least the Western Conference playoffs and what's about to happen out there.
0: I, and, and agreed. And, and I don't want this to come across as like either one of us saying this is exclusive to the Lakers because obviously it has not been like it's, it's been a herky-jerky up and down year all around um, while the Lakers and, and Heat only had 71 days of rest. Uh, you know, there are plenty of other teams that only had like 80-something. So, yeah, it, it, you had a lot of folks going in and out of the lineup. You got a lot of folks you know, wh- whether they were, it was a health and safety protocol or, you know, knick injuries or, you know, extended injuries. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we, your, you, your point about it kind of like hanging over the Western Conference. We all were thinking the same thing. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and I'm sure we're going to get to some of it later on. There were plenty of teams that kind of looked at, looked out at the horizon and said, hey, if those guys are back, this is going to be a real problem. And when you look at a team like Utah, you look at a team like Phoenix, you look at, like, you know, those top-tier teams, you know, the, the teams at the top of the tier, you know, you bust your behind that much all year, especially in a crazy year like this, and then you might wind up with a healthy and finally hungry, you know, you know Lakers <laughs> team coming, <laughs> coming in with plenty to prove. I, I got to be honest with you. I actually feel for them.
1: Yeah, and actually, we we go to that right now because what? Because I, I think it's part of this, and part of what LeBron said, and why you know he's not worried, and he just said, uh, "Let the chips fall where they may," is because he knows that they're healthy and motivated, which they are grounded in the shape right now. That you know they're not going to go into any series fearing anybody. But there is another side to that because there, there's two things. One, like you kind of mentioned, it is not exclusive to the Lakers, and that's a great point about these injuries and all of that. Because you look at you know Denver has got their in injury situations. Utah has dealt with their stuff. Like the Clippers have dealt with theirs. Like a lot of people have had these injuries and there's more that have had those issues and still have them going into the playoffs, which is what makes this even crazier when you look at it from a Lakers point of view of They're finally getting healthy at what ends up being the right time uh, for them to be healthy. But The other thing that is happening, and as we head into the playoffs, and we've seen this this last week, and it's been hilarious to me because we were talking about it. We've got on our staff here at Hale Varsity, we've got a few diehard uh, NBA fans, and so we have our own little group chat that goes off on the side, and we talk about it. We were talking about it last night um, where, hey, the Clippers are out here looking real funny in the light. They lost to two of the worst teams in the league. In basically a situation where it's like a weird tanking so that you avoid the Lakers in the first round. Uh, We've seen this. Denver came out here talking about we were going to play our guys and we were going to be good. Uh, And then they went out and lost to Portland um, last night and, you know, rested their guys a little bit. So that that part of it, to me, is I understand it. Like, I understand the self-preservation and you want to avoid the Lakers in an early round if you can. But at the same time, I do think there's something to be said about giving the Lakers that mental boost, knowing. And I mean, they're not knowing 100 percent, I should say, because they're not going to come out and confirm it. But we all know the deal.
0: Yeah, um, I don't want to step on the final segment because I have something coming up you know, okay. about okay. this very about this very topic. But I will say this sometimes in life when you try to get cute too, uh, too cute with things, you end up you, know, you end up falling into something. Now, you know, from the lake, you know, from the Clippers perspective, I guess I can understand there, there's a rationale to both, like you know, like like if, if you were if you're a Clippers fan or if you're you know you're just observing that situation, I could see the conversation you know surrounding. Hey, you might want to just catch them early, catch the Lakers now specifically because they haven't had time to get you know to get together. They haven't had time you know to get everybody on the same page. I think they played like eight games total with their with their entire you know with their entire starting you know uh, you know starting lineup. Um, but then uh, on the other side of it, if you're the Clippers, you might look at them and say, like, "Hey, look, if we're going to have to face them anyhow, let, <laughs> let's at least make it in the conference finals you know, if we can finally get there, you know, get there as a franchise." But I, I will say this: um, I've I, I've never seen a situation where a and, and this is I'm not you know this I'm, this isn't like earth shattering or you know or groundbreaking because the, the point was made all day yesterday. I've never seen a champion duck, right. so. It, you know it may ultimately work out you know to any of these teams benefit but it ultimately you know it could be one of those situations where be careful what you ask for because a team you know, a team that you're going to be playing might look at it and say like, Oh, well, you're, you're looking right through us. You think you've been right. you can, you think, you, you think we're just out here playing around. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. I'm very happy that the you know, postseason is here. I'm not necessarily one of those folks that says like, get rid of the regular season because it is very important, but right. with you know, kind of, you know, kind of what we alluded to, you know, like earlier with how just up and down the season has been with that, you know, like folks going in and out. I'm happy. You know, now the games mean something. So let's go.
1: Yeah, and I'm right with you on that. I'm not usually one of those people either that's like, oh, the the regular season is devaluing and all that. I still watch and hop on League Pass and watch these games. I I get real excited about that. But there was something a little bit different about this year once those dominoes of injuries really started. And I think that that was something. That and I think that the – the health and safety protocols and guys being in and out because of that, I think, also impacted it. I think that the, the players and their reaction to things around the All-Star game and the play-in game and any number, like, I think that that impacted it, too. I think that everybody in so many different walks of life will be, like, excited to kind of put this portion behind us and get back to the normal season next year in full. Um, but I do think that, I, listen, the playoffs are here. It's time to go. We'll come right out of the gates on Wednesday um, with this play-in game, with Steph versus LeBron. Like, we, we get this thing kicked off. Even though, wait, there's actually a game. There's the, the East games actually happened before that. But I feel bad for always skipping over the East because, I, hey, listen, it is what it is.
0: I mean, no disrespect to the East, uh, but <laughs> all disrespect to the East. We're talking about the West. You know what this is. Like, Like, okay, that might be a great game. Like, you know, the, the Eastern Conference you know, situation might – or th- those might be great games. But the reality is this. And not that he could have seen it coming, but when Adam Silver and, you know, like, and the decision makers in the NBA, when they envisioned this, you know, this play-in tournament, they could not have possibly envisioned a better scenario than LeBron and Anthony Davis finally coming back, you know, the, you know, with the defending champions and Steph, you know, being, you know, you, you, with his Herculean efforts all, you know, all throughout the year with, I mean, I'm not going to be disrespectful to that roster, but a roster that isn't anywhere near as good as what we've been accustomed to seeing from, you know, from the Warriors, right. at least during their stretch. This is you know this this is you know this is marquee TV right here and I absolutely cannot wait.
1: Yeah, I cannot wait for that. That'll be very exciting. Um, the other thing that that was extremely exciting shifting gears a little bit uh, over the weekend, you had uh, the Hall of Fame class for the NBA. Sticking with the NBA, um, that that was inducted in the Hall of Fame. We saw the speeches. Um, it was <laughs> it's really weird. Like, and I don't I know that we are we're both we're basically the same age. And so we're in this spot where now I feel very weird having had these guys um, and women that went into the Hall of Fame that I saw their entire careers. Like it is very odd for me that, you know, was obviously headlined by Kobe. Um, and then Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan goes in, Tamika Ketchum goes in, uh, Rudy Tomjanovich is in, and Kim Mulkey is in. Like, it's just a crazy class overall. A lot of the attention, and probably rightfully so, goes to those big three, and then, of course, Kobe. Um, but having seen the – like, I remember, because I grew up in Chicago, I remember all through about Kevin Garnett um, at Farragut, like, coming through high school. I remember back when it was no foregone conclusion that he was going to be good in the NBA because big men did not come straight to the – NBA from high school, like all of this, like the whole like Kobe versus Tim Duncan and Tim Duncan versus Shaq, like all of that um, is just like kind of ingrained in me, hating the Spurs and Greg Popovich. So I guess I'll start here with this because there's a lot of different ways to go. What was kind of your big takeaway from the weekend uh, of the Hall of Fame ceremony?
0: Honestly, I was right there with you. And it I don't know if it's like you know, when you get to a certain age, you kind of like recognize things and you recognize your own mortality. And I won't be morbid here because obviously, you know, you know, seeing Kobe pass, that 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 you know, that that drives that point home, you know, you pretty, you know, pretty uh you know, pretty hard. But the truth is it's exactly that. You know, like I remember watching KG like before, you know, like you know in that Farragut uniform and before he was you know, before he was Kevin Garnett. You know what I mean? I remember. Obviously I remember Kobe coming in. I remember watching Duncan and Wake Forest and thinking like, man, that dude is nice, but you know, but really not knowing anything about him and kind of like wondering like, Oh, he's got a weird accent. Where's he from? Like, right, Because right. back in the day we didn't have all the information at our fingertips, you know, right. quite as you know, readily available. What not. Um, you know, as you mentioned to me to catch it, I remember Rudy T you know, like, you know, with the Rockets. And then again, you know, with that, that, that short stint with the Lakers, I remember all of that. So, you know, more than anything, I just I look at these moments as as truly what they are. Celebrate a celebration of the great history of this game. Uh, you 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 know I don't really do too much of the debating. You know, like about stuff. I, I'm more of like I just want to celebrate it and and appreciate it for what it is. And it 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 truly was a wonderful ceremony. Um, plenty, plenty of people have, have spoken to the, you know, the, the great courage and strength that, you know, Vanessa Bryant, you know, showed and, and and that is evident anybody that hasn't seen her speech or hasn't seen any, any of the, you know, the package that, you know, that that they put together, um, you know, for Kobe and, and, and for all of the other greats that, that were in that class, you probably should take a look at it. Yep. Uh, but really all, all in all, it was just a wonderful celebration of life and a wonderful celebration, like obviously in Kobe's case and a wonderful celebration of, of some incredible careers.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's, uh... Also, where I was in a lot of ways. And I think that this, maybe in this this particular class, maybe it was just a combination of everybody. And like we were saying, remembering all these folks, I really did come away from it, kind of appreciating everything and everybody that was involved in it. Because I think that, you know, as a as a fan watching these guys. Man, I hated Tim Duncan. I don't even like, hide it. And there's really no... And know you look back on it. What reason did I really have to hate Tim Duncan other than the fact that he was on a rival team, um, that He's the nice. Lakers were kind of alternating? <laughs> like, there was nothing to really go back. Like, I didn't really care for Garnett once he got to the Celtics, because oh, yeah. he was with the yeah. Celtics, right? Um, but there were always those arguments, too. And I have a, my best friend in the world, Drew, um, used to always go back and forth with me about Kevin Garnett versus Tim Duncan. And he loved him some KG and that was and it's funny because that was such a debate back in the day and like people don't, it's weird because people don't have that discussion anymore and Tim Duncan gonna put that to bed even though they're both in the Hall of Fame but he's on a different level than Kevin Garnett even was and a lot of to do with the because of the rings and and being on those great teams and you just think of him in that those Spurs dynasties um, but I do I enjoy now being able to step back a little bit more and appreciate the greatest. Now, and those of you that listen to this podcast, you know we still gonna get after people and I'll let you know um, how I feel. But at the same time, there is a different level of appreciation now, especially as you get a little bit older. Um, and what you saw and even as we now peek into the next group as you see you know Chris Weber and those guys um start to be like a kind of mentioned for that next group then you're like okay now it's really like okay now like every one of these going forward is going to be people that I remember like in high school and in college.
0: You know it's it's funny um you know j- just to you know to piggyback that point I had the same type of hatred for those dudes, especially KG when he went to Boston, especially after 2008, especially after anything is possible,
1: especially after that. Like
0: dog, I when I hear that clip to this day, as a 41 year old man, it still makes me mad. Still, it still drives me crazy. But the reality is this. It's almost like you're able to kind of look across and say, like, yeah, like, like, there's like a mutual respect for, you know, you're for someone that you watch compete and you watch battle for years upon years. And even though when, you know, when they were doing it against your team or doing it in, in an era that you were really paying attention to it, uh, and you may not have had, and speaking generally, you may not have liked them or you may not have, you know, like, you, know, like, you may not have had even a, an, an appre- nearly an appreciation, uh, you, know, that, you know, that you have right now, you can, you know, it, it makes it that much better when you can kind of look back and be like, yeah, that was a cold. Cat too. That was cold. That was a stone cold killer too. I mean, you know, yeah. You you put those old highlights on. I might I might turn it off, but I'll (laughs) I'll also appreciate it for what it was.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's actually going to be there are guys that are playing today that are going to end up falling into that category too. Because if you just think about think about social media and some of the. Um, different arguments that you get into the dame versus Steph, where russell westbrook falls into this whole thing like there's so many of these guys now that are so and it's not and polarizing is the word to use but it's also not through their fault at all like it's not like dame lillard unless you're okay now Derek peterson my co-worker who um is a huge thunder fan outside of that he, I understand why a Thunder fan would hate Dame Lillard and have some yeah, have strongest like with that wave. And it's funny because every time that clip gets played and it always does on the anniversary, like I don't even send it to him. I don't talk to him about it. He just gets mad. At, we just have an understanding, I know. So I understand in those situations, the same way that we had with like Kevin Garnett being with the Celtics with the Lakers. You understand some of those situations. But I do think that in a lot of ways, and Russell Westbrook is actually a really great example of this. We're going to get to the point one day where people look up and go, Why did I spend so much time hating that dude? Like he put up some incredible numbers and was a force of nature. And I spent a lot of time and energy wasted on social media talking about how trash he was.
0: Listen, the okay, so. I'm trying to be measured with this. And by the way, I understand how your boy feels. I had to deal with the Michael Jordan switch hands in the air. I had to deal with people loving that that forever and me saying he didn't even have to do it. It wasn't even necessary. (laughs) And and coming across as straight Hayden, and I recognize that. So I I get where he's coming from. But on the Russell tip is this. A lot of people... Have convinced themselves that they are smarter than everyone else, smarter than everyone in the room, and I know that we're all, you know, kind of guilty of it. We all have these platforms, and we yeah. you know, we want to perform, and we want to you know you, uh, you, you put it you'll know, put it out there, right? But the truth of the matter is this: as many people are out there sitting there, you know, questioning everything he does, you know, poo-pooing every you know, all of all of his feats and all of those things. Nobody else has done it. The man has averaged a triple double for the past five years. Now, I'm not I'm not talking about. I mean, like. Cumulatively, the last five years, the man is averaging the triple double. No one else has done it. A lot of times, I think the discourse around the around the league actually is a detriment to appreciating it in the moment because we've gotten we have gotten to the point where it's just did he win? No, then he sucks. It's like no, that's <laughs> there, there thousands of people have played this game you know, the, you know this game over the years, and not everybody has won. And there are so many great players, so many great players that are you know even, even hall of fame, your hall of fame level talent that just simply weren't in the position to win, you know, weren't as fortunate. Like, look, as much as I love Magic Johnson, you know, that's my favorite player to ever play this game. It it doesn't hurt to be drafted by the Lakers to come into a team where you already have cap, where you already have coop, where you already have, like these types of things do matter. Now, if you you know speaking generally if you want to look at Russ and you want to say you're like oh I don't like his personality or whatever hey that you know that that's neither here nor there for me but right. the truth is I, I have to respect someone that brings it at that level with that much consistency, no matter what the scenario. He It, it, it would have been very easy for him to you know, get traded to Washington and just say like, okay, whatever, I'm just gonna give him my money. I'll go out there and put up 30 sometimes, but I'm just gonna kind of get it. Right. That man brought it every single night. And I actually think eventually I hope the conversation or the general discourse surrounding the league will learn to, you know we, we can have some balance to where, yes, it's important to win titles and yes, MVPs and things of that nature are are great but it's also incredible and darn impressive to just be dope as can be and I'm, I'm watching my language because you know on my podcast I cuss a <laughs> lot <laughs> you can, you <laughs> just be dope as can be and and honestly Russell Westbrook embodies that
1: yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because as, even as you said that, uh, there were other names that popped in my head that, that fit in that, that are having, you know, phenomenal years. Um, James Harden is one of those guys. And that, mm-hmm. he may be the number one um, example of this. We talk about, you know, did you win or not? Oh, you didn't. Bye-bye. Like, that basically is what it is with him. I was guilty of that with him a few years back. I I was absolutely, I I
0: I was allowing rivalry to get in the way. And then I realized like, wait a second, just because I don't necessarily love this dude, that doesn't mean what he's doing isn't great. What he's doing is great. It may not, now- there's there, there there's nuance to the conversation. You can be like, oh, do I want my best player to play that way? Right. You know, maybe, maybe not. But ultimately, there's no questioning. James Harden is going to go down as one of the all time greats, whether you love him or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's a good a good transition to a different thing. I wanted to make sure to hit on with you because I know I have not talked about this yet here. Um, is that uh, I want to get your thoughts on this, the, the MVP discussion this year, and it was funny, we saw LeBron last night, actually, we recorded this on Monday morning. Um, so Sunday night, LeBron, you know, kind of, you smiled just like I did. LeBron kind of pumped up uh, Steph Curry a little bit and said, that, you know, he should be the MVP of the league. You know, he's playing the best basketball to him. And, you know, that was a great little gesture. Thank you for the mind games, LeBron. But Nikola Jokic is going to win it, the, the fantastic Denver center. Um, and he's probably going to be a runaway, right? So, to you, first of all, I guess i i know that you agree because I don't know if there's any other like an ethical words in my mouth. If there's any other choice, but like, what are your general thoughts on just that whole situation with Jokic winning it, and what I almost feel like has been backlash ahead of time um, to him winning it, given what's happened around the league that's led to him winning?
0: Let's break that down. You know what it is. I, there are many reasons, and if you don't mind, I'm gonna be—I'm gonna be real about it. No, no, um, no. part of it is a, he's a European big and we're still prejudiced and I'm not saying everybody, obviously, but there's still a, at least a hint of that in the general discourse of the, uh, of, of basketball, you know, the general conversation, you know, surrounding basketball. It was real bad in the 90s. It was bad and it was bad oh, in yeah. the Hawks, you know, and, and it's obviously gotten better. Like guys like Dirk and, and, you know, and, and guys have shown like, no, like let's be, let, let's, let's calm down with all, you know, all, all of the stereotypes and silliness. It doesn't, it also doesn't help that blog boys were the ones that were championing his cause for like, you know, like, you know, the first, like, you know, a few years there in Denver, yeah. because it, you, know, you 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 have two different sides. You've got a side that's like, no, no matter what this side you know presents, I'm not going to be with it. And this side's like, well, the, you know, like the statistical analysis and this side and the other, and you have that battle. This is the reality. Nikola Jokic is an all time great already. And w- when I say that, people are going to say like, oh, what's it? I'm not saying I'm not skipping the line. I'm saying the talent. That's a generational talent. We are all blessed to be watching that. This is a one of one type situation. This is like, you know, like, you know, how we you, it, it's almost like, you know, it's almost necessary at times or, or it seems like it's necessary to like compare this guy to that guy. No, Nikola Jokic. What we're seeing from him, this is a this is this is a unicorn. We, I know that people wanted to call KP a unicorn. Uh, this man is a unicorn. Yeah, he took so, that. Yeah, when we can get past like uh, agendas, uh, but you know, you uh, know, all, all of the folk, you know, all of the fake, you know, phony reasoning. There's really no way to deny this, you know. And and if you, it, it's okay to say, oh, I don't think he's the best player in the league, but also acknowledge. He's played the best this year and the most consistent and he's done the most for his team at a high level. Nikola, I don't know if it's going to be a unanimous or a runaway, but I'll be honest with you, I would be stunned if he doesn't win it. And this is not it, obviously. I don't have any skin in the game. It's not like I'm a Denver fan. It's not like i have right. It's not like I've always championed Nikola Jokic. In fact, I was that idiot. In fact, back when I was writing, I was that idiot when he was a rookie. Say when they when, when or either rookie or second year when um, when he was basically competing with uh, with you, uh, with uh, Jürgit, uh, Nurkic mm. uh, for playing time. I was that idiot saying, yeah, you know what? They need to get. They need to move Jokic kids so they can get so they can focus on, on they can focus on kids and this is the thing i'm willing to acknowledge that because i was wrong and and that that really is the problem with a lot of people a lot of people are so like you know dead set on being right when the reality is it's fine to just acknowledge yo this dude is better than i ever thought he was going to be
1: yeah and I, I think that that's a great way to put that and i think that also that is a tremendous point that I that and I didn't think about that. I never because I've always wondered, like, what is the source of kind of my just kind of I'm just a little hesitant on him. I don't I'm not saying that I don't think he's good. Now, I absolutely believe that he um, deserves the MVP this year. And I think that no matter what's happened around the league with the injuries um, and it's a little personal because LeBron, I thought, was cruising towards this before that injury. Um, but that's either here or there. But even w- with that. Um, Jokic just had a fantastic year like he has been great and he's kept that team um, in a high seed um, once Jamal Murray went down. I think that he does. He's very deserving. But I have had always had a little bit of a hesitancy with him. And I think you hit on it. I think it's the blog boy thing I have. And this is just my own thing. I have a real issue with the advanced like plus minus real screen set percentage, all of that mess. Like I just have, I sometimes have a real issue with that because I think that it becomes, it just becomes too much where it's so, we got to the point to where like analytics, analytics is very important and it can be a very useful tool, but there are some that take it the complete extreme to where that's the only thing that it needs to be, where I think that the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, And I think that that has just been something that I've been working through as as we kind of watch these games now with this eye towards analytics.
0: Okay, so here's my analytics statement. Analytics has always been important to the game. It's the presentation that that, that it was brought forth with that we all had the problem with. We actually didn't speaking generally. I think I don't think most of us had a problem with appreciating like oh okay, you look at the, you look at this set of information and you and and, and, and and apply it to apply it to what you're watching, notice the trends and it confirms what, it confirms or you know negates what you thought you, you you may have been seeing. It was the fact that it was brought upon us like look, these are the numbers and you idiots don't understand it. Right. That's yeah. the problem That's that That's true. Have. I agree. That's there the is an attitude yeah. that yeah. goes with that. Yeah. There are some folks that are still stubborn and we will still say like, no, I don't want to see anything about analytics. And to be honest with you, I'll be honest with you, uh, you're an antiquate, you're you're watching the game through an antiquated lens because it is a part of the game. It is. It, it, it's a vital part of the game. But I think we are on the same page in that, again, it wasn't just like it wasn't Jokic. It was more of the blog boys. It wasn't the analytics that were the problem with, you know with a lot of us. It was more of the, you know, the attitude and the approach that it was being presented by. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I do think that, that that plays a huge part of it. And, you know, going back to something you said earlier about the discourse around the league sometimes hurts the league. And I think that that's a really good example of that. Well, we're not necessarily talking about specific players in the discourse, but the discourse around analytics, the role of it and being told that you're just too stupid to understand them or you just can't value the right things. Because I yeah. always one of the things that I always come back with on that, and never one that silly. I, I can understand anything you want to put out there. But number two, yes. um, The teams that very much value these analytics and like only go by that aren't out here winning, except for the Golden State Warriors. And the thing was, is to do that, they had the best shooter in the history of the league, Clay Thompson, who was up there in the top five as well, and then add Kevin Durant and have Draymond Green as the ultimate Swiss Army knife. So it didn't matter what stats they were using. Like, that was never going to matter what they were doing. Uh, but they became the poster children for that movement in a lot of ways, when I personally think that it really should be the Rockets, who were a failed experiment. But, but, that's but I don't have that argument. But at the same time, that is kind of where I am on that even though I am, again, recognizing that they are important and can be a useful tool.
0: That's exactly it. Uh, Honestly, I I have nothing else to to, to contribute to that conversation except for the, the Golden State Warriors. It's like, yeah, if you have the best of both worlds, of course, analytics are going to work. Just like if you have all if you have all of that talent, honestly, Sometimes it's just, you. You're just going to win because you you have the baddest man on the you know, in the world, and one of the baddest men in the world, and all of the other you know the you know components that you, you know that, that you just mentioned.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now we're going to go ahead and hit my favorite segment of the week. Every week we end the show with this segment called "Put Them on Blast," where we basically put someone on blast for something they did or said. Put them on blast. Um, I'm going to go first today. Um, and today, I'm actually going with Urban Meyer. Now, it's funny, since Urban has been down in Jacksonville, there have been any number of things that we could have put them on blast for. And you may think that I'm actually going to the Tim Tebow situation, but I will assure you I am not. I'm going to a different issue. Um, the Jaguars drafted uh, Travis Etienne, the fantastic speedy running back out of Clemson, um, and then decided that they were going to make him a, a wide receiver, this, uh, this uh, training camp. They were going to go ahead and make him a wide receiver and, tra- and Urban Meyer wants to go ahead and make him kind of a slash player, um, which has been really interesting and has kind of blown up here on social media as some of these other moves um, that Urban Meyer has decided to make um, over these last few months that he's been there. And I think that part of this is going back to Urban Meyer's time with Percy Harvin when he was at Florida and listen, Percy was a bad dude. Right. And that was great. Um, But urban had this to say about Etienne. He said, quote, he's much more than a running back. He's a slash. We didn't uh, recruit. He's still thinking about college. He said, we didn't recruit draft him in the first round, by the way, just because he's a running back. We probably wouldn't have. He's a guy that had a lot of production in the passing game at Clemson. He's got excellent hands and he'll be dual threat. Those dual threat players are hard to find. But if you can find one, we know how to use them with him. I expect him to make an instant impact. And for that, because you drafted an actual running back and then they're now going to put in the first round, um, which you just is tough in, the, in today's NFL, you don't see a lot. Um, and then now you want to make him a wide receiver, even if in the tr- training camp, even though he has some skills to do that, I've got to put you on blast. And it's, pro- it's because of a larger point here with Urban Meyer. I feel like what we've seen time and time again, since he got that job in Jacksonville, is that he thinks you go back to something you said earlier about people wanting to prove they're the smartest guy in the room. That is Urban Meyer. That stuff works in college and it works so well for him in college. Obviously he's one of the greatest college football coaches ever. But that works a lot when you have ultimate control and you get to go out and choose your players and nobody's going to question you on anything. And we've seen this have a bad reaction so far. And We'll see what ultimately happens. Travis said make may go out there and kill it for all we know. And he's a very talented player and that can work. We've seen this Tebow situation. That's not going to work. He needs to get off that team. <laughs> Then we saw remember the strength coach situation where they hired the oh, yeah. uh, strength coach mm-hmm. and the racial allegations out at Iowa and then they had to go ahead and back off of that. Like Urban needs to kind of he needs to make less headlines and just kind of go ahead and do the work because it's you gotta go on blast for all of that, man.
0: When I, I, I don't remember who it was, and I, I'm big on you know uh giving people credit, but I, I heard I heard the comparison before of college coaches to truly feeling like they're godlike figures Mm -hmm. and, you know, for obvious reasons. And if you're Urban Meyer, you know, you, you, you've had success, many, you know, in many different settings, you know, everywhere you go, you've, you know, you've been able to, you know, you know, dominate, you know, not just have success, but actually dominate, but there haven't necessarily been a lot of checks and balances. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there hasn't necessarily been a lot of folks telling him no haven't necessarily been a lot of folks saying like hey you know urban maybe not this. The NFL is one of those you know since situ- what you know it is it's the ultimate equalizer in that sense of if if it, if this if these gambles work hey continue to be you know to continue to be that godlike figure until they don't. Right because, because they as, don't as soon, because, the because you back around everyone's going to come for you. <laughs> yep. And really you know th- that's really all I can say about that because uh, yeah, I, I I noticed some of those moves. And and honestly, it's like, yeah, that tracks. That sounds like Urban Meyer. <laughs>
1: yeah, and that's absolutely. not even shade. That's not
0: <laughs> even shade. <laughs> you know, people that are Urban Meyer's fans, you will say like, oh, I can't believe you said that. But,
1: you know, yeah, whatever. but it's yes, but it but it's going to be that. It, it But what it is doing is it's setting up a musty TV. I'm definitely going to be oh, paying yeah. attention, but that can sometimes mm-hmm. be a negative thing in the long run as well. All right, Jabari, who are you putting on blast?
0: All right. Uh, Like I said, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I want to shout out shout out the Nuggets Clippers and maybe even a couple other teams for making sure they avoided the Lakers in an early matchup. Um, Now, you know, hey, you know, now if the Lakers take care of business on Wednesday against the Warriors and, you know, you get the Suns um, and this is going to sound like disrespect and conceivably the winner of Portland and Denver in the the second round, the Lakers are good. You know, honestly, the Lakers are in a good position. Now, um, you know, I said it earlier. Sometimes you can get too cute. Sometimes you can try to arrange things, you know, like, you know, just too perfectly and end up, you know, end up dropping the ball. And for these Clippers, I, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. I've wanted to finally see a battle of Los Angeles. You know, I, I, I've wanted it for the past couple of years. The Lakers dropped the ball two years ago. The Clippers, you know, hey, they didn't they, they didn't quite make it there You know, last year. Right. <laughs> I'm hoping we finally get it this year. But I will say this. Um, I saw somebody tweet out earlier. You know, the you know the Clippers basically have you know uh, set it up to so where they avoided the Lakers until the Western Conference Finals, and they could have just said to where they vo- avoided the Lakers because that's my that that's where I'm putting them on blast. I don't think they made the Conference Finals again as a result of this.
1: Yeah, see, and that's go- that is the tricky thing, and one of the things that I will be very much watching for is that. Well, there's going to be some unintended consequences of doing this, right? Like it's not going to just be, oh, these teams avoided the Lakers and now we've got smooth sailing. Like the best case scenario for you is you still got to see them at some point, right? So like in the Clippers situation, you still got to see them in the best case scenario in the conference finals, where if the, if the Lakers have then made the conference finals, in theory, that means they've stayed healthy. They've got this thing Well, they're looking like it, like they did to start the season. Or in winning the championship last year. And that's a dangerous game to play. That's why I thought the Clippers would have been in a better situation to just go ahead and try and get them in the first round, get the Lakers in the first round and say, nope, this is going to be the beginning of our championship run. We want to talk about this LAR way thing. This is going to be the beginning of that. And we're going to take them out. We're going to slay that dragon and start our run. And this is the beginning of our ascension. And then after the year, then um, Paul George and Kawhi will, oh, not Paul George already resigned. Um, Kawhi will go ahead Ahead and sign this extension because that's something that we've got to get to once we get to after this season um and so I thought that that would have made for a nice story because I'm big on kind of those mental storylines of that focus because if you think about it on the flip side the Lakers now are in this situation where it's like okay we all we wanted to do all season was make it to the postseason healthy we're finally there now we're kind of clicking. We got the guys going. We know that if we take care of us, nobody can mess with us. The Lakers are in that mental spot that they wanted to be in. And the rest of these teams not being there is such. It's going to make for such an interesting contrast of what ends up happening uh, when you get to some of these games. Not only that, I, I, and, and honestly, I don't even want to just
0: make this about the Clippers because guess what? Nuggets. You guessed it. <laughs> um, yeah. if, if the Lakers are able to get through that second round, they will be rolling by that point. So, like, like, hey, best of luck
1: to folks out there. Yeah, and I do want to say this real quick, too, about the Suns. And I feel – I, I I would, I'm not going to go as far as to say I feel bad for them because I don't. Because I feel like Suns fans are this weird lot where they, they, they've got some interesting characters in Suns' Twitter. Um, if you're, like, it, it, oh, yeah. Do. And so I don't feel bad about the potential of the Lakers ending this magical season that they've had. But it's been a great year. Chris Paul has exceeded expectations for them. Um, Devin Booker, I feel like, has finally getting the do that he deserves. And he's a fantastic player. Aiden has really come into his own bridges. has been very good but this thing has got to end if that's the way that this matchup goes. And that's what it kind of looks like. It feels like we're heading towards Lakers Suns first round. So the one thing I'll say about them is this, about Suns fans is this, I've got, I've got, a, I interact
0: with a lot of them. Yeah. You know, I, I got a few, a few guys that I'm, I'm real cool with, but, If I were a team or I were a fan of a franchise that had not made the postseason in 10 years, even even with all of this excitement, you know, like right there in the battle, you know, for the first know, for the top seed all the way down the stretch, I probably wouldn't poke the bear. I already had Suns fans on my timeline last night, like, let's go, let's go. And I was like, okay, sure. Y'all haven't read you. Y'all didn't read the book till the end, did you?
1: Because I've read this book, (laughs) and you know, good luck. Yeah. Good luck with that one. That's going to be tough. And I think you make a great point though, because if you, and it's not just, you know, the fans haven't been there. So it's like, you don't know what to expect, but this is also, you know, Devin Booker's first taste of this Um, and to just expect him to hit the ground running, knowing that you will be going into, you know, LeBron. And maybe like, that's just going to be messy. And I think one of the like real quick to end here, one of the kind of, Really intriguing storylines like within the Lakers to me, besides the health, is going to be shrewder trying to play his way into this contract, right? It's like that's going to mm-hmm. keep him motivated in this. Now, you hope that for him, and it's always oh, been a problem for him that he gets a little outside of himself. Um, so you hope that he stays in that lane, but at the same time, like him playing for this contract that he thinks he deserves is going to be real fascinating too,
0: absolutely. And and you know, uh, I'm sure. Uh, if we have one of these conversations moving forward, we'll discuss him, you know, like in the, in the future there. But I will say this. Um, I was intrigued by the report and I and I know we're wrapping up here. I was intrigued by the report uh, that he didn't actually have, you know, uh, COVID or he didn't po- you know, test positive right. for COVID because I, I won't lie to you selfishly. And I mean, I'm willing to admit this selfishly. I was like, man, it's the wrong time for this. Absolutely. <laughs> so. You know, honestly, uh, again, a fully motivated, you know, you know, Schroeder for many different reasons. Look, like I said, um, I get why teams wanted to avoid the Lakers, but if I were them, strategically, I would have wanted to catch them early.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's a great place to leave this. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast anywhere you can listen to them. Rate us, leave us a five star review. If you only leave four stars, I am inclined to think you're a hater, and nobody wants that. Uh, Make sure that you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, the Varsity Club, uh, Nebraska Prep's Post Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show Monday through Saturday. Also, check out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. I'm back on there with another recruiting question of the week video with Aaron. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Greg Smith HB and at Jabari Davis, NBA. Uh, Jabari, you want to tell the people anywhere else that they can find you?
0: Uh, honestly, Twitter is the easiest place to find me. Um, you can check for Dunks and Discourse. It's on iTunes, Apple, you know, or Google Play, all, all the all of the places. Uh, but Twitter is probably the easiest place to find me. Again, thank you so much for this opportunity, man. So this was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had a great time. And make sure you guys are emailing the show at Straight Up and varsity, uh, dot com. I will catch you guys next week. enjoy that Media Production.